you now is the prologue for this, the epilogue for today, and the prologue for the next five weeks when I'll be here. I thought about the fact that it's been a while since I was here for five uninterrupted weeks, so I thought, okay, I can really develop some theme for these five weeks. And I decided that what, you know, what goes into five well, and I decided I would, as a theme for a, a variety of How about now? Yeah. Okay. I decided I wanted to do the uh, 10 paramitas, which are the 10 perfections of the heart, you'll remember, um, I think. The people fool around about that. The, the Buddha, it is true that uh, there are books of numbers in Buddhist, in Buddhist lexicons, like the, the 10 paramitas and the uh, nine somethings I've forgotten. But uh, the seven factors of enlightenment and the six sense bases and the five hindrances and the four noble truths and the three characteristics of existence and uh, the two duality and non-duality states and the one true dharma, something like that, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> but the truth is that, uh, the, that what the Buddha taught got passed down for at least 150 years by word of mouth teaching. And word of mouth teaching, you have to have mnemonic devices, like the, the lists of things so that you can memorize the list. I'm currently reading a book which, when I really figure out what it says, I'll tell you about. <laughs> it's quite hard. I have to study it with Tony Bernhardt, who gets it better than I do. But um, it's called What the Buddha Thought as opposed to the more common book that you may have known called What the Buddha Taught, because there are current contemporary uh, Sanskrit and early Pali scholars who are going through all the earliest writings and really trying to see what was it that the Buddha actually thought and said that then probably got elaborated by the numbers of people through whom the teachings went orally before they got written down. Like all long-term teachings, Everybody who teaches them adds on to them and, and uh, puts their particular spin on it. Anyway, one of the lists is the list of the perfections of the heart. My own sense of those perfections is in the folklore, it says, you'll notice that the chart I just gave you is the perfections of the heart. Uh, anyway, the chart, if I, the chart I can remember is generosity, morality, uh, renunciation, wisdom, patience, energy, truthfulness, determination, loving kindness, and equanimity. That, <laughs> it's pretty good, but actually I wrote a whole book about it, so it's in my mind. Uh, and they're each permutations of each other, really. If you think about any of the generosity is the first of them, and the Buddha said generosity is the most important thing to cultivate. But all of them are manifestations of generosity. If I uh, if I'm very moral and I and people can count on me to behave myself, then I've given everybody the gift of feeling safe. If I'm very honest and I just tell as much as I can about anything that I'm talking about, 
and don't hide anything or tell false things, then I'm giving people the, the, the gift of a level, level playing field, that they have as much information as I. They're all permutations of each other. And over the next five weeks, I'd like to challenge you and invite you to see if you can begin your own chart. I've just done it a little bit and said all of them are gifts. And see if you can say all of them are manifestations of morality and write a sentence about how all of them are manifestations of renunciation. Uh, if, I, uh, uh, if I am practicing renunciation and I look in my closet and I say, you know, these three sweaters I wore once this whole year, I could really give them to the goodwill as a gift. What I'm doing is renouncing the pull in my mind that says, well, maybe you might leave it one more time. It's really a nice sweater. You never know. So I'm really renouncing that pull in the mind that says you need that. I'm also practicing wisdom at that point because I'm really saying to myself, you know what? You don't need that. And the joy of generosity trumps the joy of knowing you have extra sweaters in the closet. The extra sweaters in the closet don't keep you warm when they're not on you if you wore it once the whole year. So I'd, I'd like you to start to see. I've never done them all through each other, so it would be a great uh, uh, invitation. So to take, uh, if you take the first one, generosity, and all of them and show how they're generous acts, take morality and show how they're each morality practices, renunciation, how they're each renunciation practices. Mostly we're renouncing impulsivity. Nah, I don't want to give that away. Yes, I do. You know, that, that kind of thing. So to see how they're permutations of each other. We'll talk about that every week in these next five weeks. And I also thought each week we would uh, really highlight one or two of these. It says in the folklore, nine minutes to say this whole thing. It says in the folklore that the Buddha in previous lifetimes fully perfected all of these ten virtues in order to be able to have his understanding and his awakening in his life as Siddhartha Gautama and become the Buddha. I would like to propose, who knows anyway, folklore might be folklore. I'd like to suggest that the Buddha in his wisdom behaved this way because they're the wisest ways to behave. They're all ways to happiness. That equanimity, for instance, is a path to happiness. If you're wise enough to uh, manifest equanimity in a difficult situation. The story I was going to tell you to start with today, because it's been in my mind, it's not a story. It's a one-minute event, which is such an unlikely vignette to tell you about. But thinking about manifestations of wisdom. Um, so uh, I, uh, I was in the, the Road of Shalom Synagogue on, the, uh, on Rosh Hashanah. And at the end of services, you think you, actually, there are a lot of wonderful things to hear during the service that were wisdom teachings about how fast life is over and listening to the liturgy that's full of references to grass flourishes in the morning and dries at night and uh, a contrite heart revives the spirit. And I thought, that's all true, you know. So wherever you do, if you listen, so I heard plenty of wisdom in the service. I went into the ladies' room before I left. There's a crowd of people waiting in the ladies' room. There was one woman on a walker who was waiting for the larger handicapped bathroom stall. 
So the line was moving past her to the other ones, and she's standing there waiting. And someone came out, and passing her, going back, said, apparently, someone from that community who hadn't seen her in a while, and greeted her and said, Happy New Year, and said to her, um, perhaps recognizing the walker, maybe it's a new thing, she said, uh, I hope you get better soon. And this woman's reply to her back, which I heard as I went by, was, and I couldn't figure out if he, she was joking or it was equanimity or it was ira I didn't quite get the tone of voice. She said, well, from what I've got, you don't get better. So I thought to myself, I wonder if she's teasing. I wonder if she's lamenting. I wonder if this is a statement of equanimity and wisdom. Because from what she's got, apparently, you don't get better. Maybe she's manifesting tremendous calm and wisdom. And she just said it in a plain way. I actually thought, what was the tone of voice? Because I can't know what that means. But from what I've got, I can't get better. And I thought to myself, how about we could all say that, really? You know? Uh, first of all, from being in life. From being in life. From what we've got, we can get uh, clearer about how we behave in certain ways. But certainly with the physical body, you know, we could take up a regimen and get a little more energy or something. It's not to say that there aren't things that we could do, but generally from the condition of being a human being, we're not going to become superhuman beings. The condition of human beings, we're going to have to take what we've got in terms of what happens to these bodies. Maybe it was a statement of great wisdom. From what I've got, you don't get better. And I thought, what's she got? And she's got life. We've all got life. My friend Joseph Goldstein used to say, uh, the, big, the most important mantra he says to himself when his mind gets in a flurry about something is he says, it's okay. That's his mantra. It's a magic mantra. He says, it's okay. His mind got upset with despair, with lament, with fear, with concern, with whatever. The first thing says to himself is it's okay to calm the mind down and say, okay, now what do I do? Not to say I like what's happening, but don't get scared of what's happening. It's just what's happening and you'll figure out what to do. I went to the Charles Schultz Museum in uh, Santa Rosa the other day because I had guests from Europe and I've never been there. And, uh, and one of the big panels, it's great to go to by the way, one of the great panels of cartoon uh, as you, uh, it just in the, in the foyer, as you come in, is uh, Sally telling her philosophy of life. And the first one is, life goes on. How many people here's grandmother said to them, life goes on? <laughs> or it's not the end of the world. Everybody's grandmother said it's not the end of the world, didn't they? It was one of the things that people said. <laughs> Which is meant to say, you're going to get up tomorrow and we'll carry on. It doesn't mean that what your stuff is isn't important. It just means hold it in a context. It's not the end of the world. Even this woman with the walker. It might not get better from that, but it's not the end of her life. There she is at the Road of Shalom. It's not the end of her world yet. So I was thinking about particularly, and this is the point, I have three minutes left to make it, with that list. If you look at the list, I said this in the very beginning, if you look at the list, you could say 
today I'm going to practice this or that. Sometimes I've taught classes, 10-week classes on the paramitas. So, okay, this week everybody took on patience. Everybody took on uh, truthfulness so that they listened to every single thing uh, that they said to make sure. I mean, most of us don't tell outright lies, but did we exaggerate? Did we elaborate? Uh, not unnecessarily. How, could we, how truthful could we be? Or how patient could we be? I mean, you can't make your inside patient, but you can make your outside patient, you know. Inside, you'd be standing and waiting for the elevator with other people, and you could be standing calmly inside. You can be thinking, elevator, but you could be tapping your foot, or you could be looking at the numbers, you could be looking around at the people, agitating everybody else up. <laughs> or you could be holding a space of relative of relative poise in the middle of a potentially upsetting circumstance and be maybe useful to other people. So there's every one of these you could go out and practice. You could say, today is my day for generosity. Everybody I see in the street who needs something, I'll give it to them. But I, I don't know how to say to people, today is the day I'll practice wisdom. Would that we could, and nobody gets up and says, today I'm going to be purposely foolish the whole day. <laughs> you know, that you, know, you, you really try to, <laughs> what, Susan? Well, the wisdom might be looking at those three things you're going to give away in the closet and say, am I giving them away so I can buy some more? <laughs> <laughs> that's right, or to get room in the closet, or that's right. Or what, what are the other motives in that to really scrutinize? But let's, I, so I wanted to start with wisdom because it's the most interesting one. It's more than practice it, I think you have to accumulate it. It's a more nuanced kind of a thing. And I think in the point of, from the point of view of the, of the Buddha, he meant a particular kind of wisdom. One of the particular wisdoms, the most paramount one, I think, even from what I'm reading of the contemporary think is the most paramount one is the view that thing, life goes on. Uh, who was it that said it? Sally in Charlie Brown said life goes on. Things are changing all the time. The Buddha was dying. One of the, the, the his penultimate statement when he was dying was um, uh, transient are all conditioned things. It means everything that's created isn't going to last. Uh, transient are all conditioned things. He said one more line after that. He said, strive on with diligence, which I love, which some contemporary translators translate as move into the future with confidence, which is another nice way to say that. But transient are all conditioned things. And presumably, he said to his monks, if you get this, then you'll be liberated from all this anguish. Because the, the main anguishes are the mind tying itself in a knot over a situation that it can't stand and thinking it's going to be like this forever. But it's not going to be like this forever. It might even be this way for the rest of your life, but then you're going to die, so it won't be like that forever. <laughs> but when you think about that, you think, I might as well untie this knot while I have a chance before I die, because it's not going to be an anguish forever, unless I, in my mind, unless I choose to be anguished. But I could say, this situation is very painful for me, and life goes on. I continue. It's not going to get any better. From what I've got, it's not going to get better. But that woman said it without, without taking on about it. It's just a fact. From what I've got, 
I'm not going to get better. We could say, I could say that about a whole lot of things about me. You know, I'm in the gym, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But there are things about me that aren't going to get better. I'm happy if they don't get worse. You know, that, uh, uh, <laughs> the cataracts, I just found out, are worse this year than last year, but not yet ready. So what? <laughs> another year. But, but really, it's a... It's something to be able to say, this is a thing that's out of my control, whether they grow or don't grow or when they grow. How many people have had cataracts out yet? Anybody here? There you go. We're up in that age. But I, I think about this wisdom thing as being the key thing. The wisdom to, and, and these people, the wisdom to have confidence in yourself. The wisdom to be determined. The wisdom, uh, if there's another paramita of energy, that that person who said, I got very tired, I had to rest every three minutes, but then I thought, I want to call my wife or I want to tell people about it. Energy was part of this. Determination was part of this. Generosity was part of this. All those people in boats have donated their time. All those swimmers are donating their time. Everybody's out there on behalf of other people. Because the, 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 the two twin things that I think we continually see in this group together is that all of these things that happen to people that we mention in our prayers, this happened and that happened and the other thing happened. So it's just a very um, vulnerable thing to be a human being. The things that can happen to your body, your spirit are, are endless. Uh, says the... Suffer, although suffering is, um, what's the word that uh, suffering is infinite? What is the immeasurable? I think the Buddha said, "I vow to end it." And then you think, well, what does that mean? I think it means I vow to end it in me, by getting my mind clear enough to know this is the condition of life. Things happen to you, and the and for me, the redemptive other half of that wisdom is this is the condition of human beings as well, that they're kind, they're compassionate, they get out, they help other people, they're moved by other people. When we see those people swim in, everybody applauds, everybody applauds Nancy, because we feel like, because people got helped out. They weren't us, and we don't know them, but people got helped out, and that's, and that's such a, a thing that's so uniquely human. I don't know that, that sheep don't applaud each other's successes or dogs or whatever. I think it's a human thing to be able to say that happened to those people and if, I, if it were happening to me I'd feel that way. You know what, how many people here are on the class website webpage and get the mail? You don't. Ah, because I was going to send the email is for this class. That someone sent me a fabulous three-minute video yesterday. We'll do it. I'll send it. I'll send it to you, Ruth, and you'll put it on that page. Or... Then you'll get a that you'll get an email notice with a little video to. Uh, there's a way to tell you something all of a sudden. Uh, now, I'll tell you what's going to happen next week. We will do another one of 
or two of these parameters. But also we have a guest um, with a, a, a show and tell. Uh, her name is Tony Bernhardt, that which may have surprised you because uh, a man named Tony Bernhardt has come here frequently mm -hmm. to teach this class. Tony Bernhardt's wife's name is Tony Bernhardt. That just happened that way, but Tony Tony Bernhardt married Antoinette something, also known as Tony. Tony Bernhardt with an I, nine years ago, took ill. She'll tell you the circumstances from one day to the next, with a very very powerful chronic fatigue illness from which she uh, has only slightly recovered. She spent the better part of the last nine years in bed, suffering from intense uh, symptoms of flu and lassitude and um, just general sickness for nine years with all the doctors and all the everything. And in the last three years, she's written a book. And the book has just come out. And the book is called How to Be Sick. And I think it's an amazing thing to write a book about how to be sick because it's like from this you're not going to get better, you know. The people who have MS, the people who have diabetes, the people who have kidney disease, the people who have Parkinson's, from this you're not going to get better. And how are you going to live in a body like that with some degree of equanimity and poise and not be absorbed in your situation? It's a book called How to Be Sick. You can buy it off Amazon. Well, don't buy it off Amazon. <laughs> buy it here. Buy it here next week when Tony is here, and then she'll sign it for you. So, yeah. Our daughter who has fibromyalgia and is newly diagnosed, two weeks ago shared that book with us, and it is just life-changing for her. I mean, the fibromyalgia isn't going anywhere, but at the moment, she said it's the best thing she's ever read, and I wrote down the title, and I thought, that sounds reasonable. I, I know this person. Oh, yeah. Oh, thanks, Barbara. Oh, the, I'm sure the book will be here. I'll check with them that the book will be here, and I'll check with Tony. But it's a, it's a brilliant thing to say how to be sick because a very huge, when you think about the people with Parkinson's and diabetes and this and this and this and this and this, who aren't going to get better. From this, you're not going to get better. Or it's enormous. Not to speak of everybody who's not going to get better from some huge, huge blow. I read a story, uh, an interview with the Israeli uh, novelist David Grossman, who's uh, been a very, very strong peace activist, whose uh, middle son uh, two years ago was killed two weeks before his army discharge and three weeks before his 21st birthday. So from that, you don't get better, you know? You do something, but you don't get better. There are things you don't get better. But Tony has written How to Be Sick with using all these concepts from her Dharma practice as the, as the prototype for how to do it. So be sure to bring anybody that you know who might be in that circumstance also. That would be a good week for them to come. And bring your own paper back. And if you don't have a paper, come and get a paper. And really... Take a notebook, and we're going to do homework for these five weeks. I'm very in a September back-to-school mood. <laughs> Thank you very much. And you might want to know that this is my daughter over here. Oh, <laughs> <I love you. laughs>
the one that looks like me. <laughs> and laughs like me. This is my youngest child. So half a minute of thinking, good thoughts for all of us, for everyone we mentioned. For everyone we didn't mention. Um, for everyone that ought to be coming home from every conflict. May everyone in this world be comforted by companions. Okay, next 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 Wednesday is not the first. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.